Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We still don't get paid what I believe we're worth. I had secretly been wanting to try health coaching. Women have been dropping out. Your body is the next frontier of liberation. You have to monetize. We buy into this idea that anyone can do this. Your body becomes proof. Whether or not we're trying to sell a service or a product, all women are brands. Now I'm a health coach. My name is Kyla Tova, and this is Your Body, Your Brand. Episode 8, The Pyramid-Shaped Elephant in the Room. This episode is part one of a two-part episode. Well, it was the oils. The oils was my main one. Uh, and actually, I mean, technically, I'm still signed up to do that. And I, you know, I, the oils are my main one. And then there, there's a, another skin one. And then, uh, you know, I'm still signed up for another one that, that I, you know, it's inter- interesting because I actually like the, the third one that I'm involved with. And, and then at this present time, like I still have to keep the oils and the other one that I'm doing, the, the skin one, because like I need to make some money. When we last heard from Brenda Swan, she was getting her life and her relationship back together after a failed stint as a health coach. We're picking up her story just after she and her husband got back together and moved across the country. So, yes, yeah, so I had to get involved with these MLMs because it was like, this is the only way I'm going to make some extra money until we figure out what and how and who and and how do I make passive income in a way that I don't have to stress it or really try super duper hard so that I can still contribute to our family to our household you know pay my bills pay those all those loans from not only my university but also the the, all these coaching programs and things that I did certifications and whatever um yeah you know, I still got to make money. I still got to pay that off and, and live a normal life, which isn't even that, I don't know, extravagant, if, you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does a lot. I, it's one of those things that I've been considering. It's like, okay, how do you make extra money without mm-hmm. going crazy? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. Right. <laughs> not, not, in the, not in the way that our system is set up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So you just have to figure out how to live within it. And I thought I had it figured out for a little while there, but I don't think that I did necessarily. Today, we're addressing the pyramid-shaped elephant in the room, MLM. MLM, or multi-level marketing, is having a day in the media. Everyone is interested in it, either because they're fierce advocates with something to sell you or because they find something in it to ridicule or shun. People are talking about MLM because it's an obvious target. Either it's that potentially exploitative companies are manufacturing legions of zombies who all smell suspiciously of essential oils and want to talk to you about mascara and releasing them into your Facebook and Instagram feeds. Or it's that potentially liberating companies are creating spaces for enterprising women who have been historically held back from entering into entrepreneurial roles. They're helping women build businesses that empower the seller individually while providing a supportive cheerleading team in the form of an upline and a downline, turning the seller 
selling structure into a collaborative, girl-powered, boss-babe love fest. It's either or, but I'm actually not here to talk about why MLM is right or wrong, good or bad. I'm actually more interested in MLM as a case study, a multicolored legging-wearing canary in the coal mine when it comes to understanding why women are so excited about the prospect of leaving the traditional workforce for non-traditional health and wellness roles. We're looking at MLM from this perspective instead of the easier trope of good job, bad job, because I'm actually really tired of the discourse placing the onus on women. It's their fault for buying into these companies in the first place, so if they get duped, it's their own problem, right? So as Merv Emre, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, points out in a recent article in the Boston Review, and the article was about reproductive health, but I think the statement expands outward. What starts out as a critique of capitalism becomes a critique of women's choices, and that counts double for MLM. There is a reason why women choose to become multi-level marketers that goes beyond greed, naivete, or even lack of skill in navigating the corporate system. And to understand that reason, we have to shift our focus back to a critique of capitalism so we can stop blaming capitalism's failings on the women that it failed. We're going to talk with both women who are currently selling MLM and those who have gotten burned by it. And so some full disclosure before we get started. In the past, I have written and spoken out against MLM, both because I've been personally hurt by the disingenuous marketing of the products and because I recognize how exploitative these companies can be. I've also, in moments of financial panic, reached out to friends who do sell MLM products and inquired about how to get in. I've never been an active seller for an MLM company, but I can understand why people cave in and try it out. Okay, disclaimers out of the way, my intention in this episode is not to convince you to feel one way or another about them, despite the fact that I will not be an advocate for this business model, but to help you understand why they're compelling in the first place, which is why I chose to include interviews with people who are working as multi-level marketers and are enthusiastic about their career choices. Although, please note, I will challenge some of those ideas that are shared by these active network marketers, especially if they're vague or intended to obfuscate the truth. So before we dive in, just in case you haven't listened to the podcasts or read the blogs about it, let's get to know what the multi-level marketing business model actually is. We'll first hear from my friend Dana Shore, who works for an essential oil company. My name is Dana. I am a network marketer. I am a distributor for an essential oils company. And um, my day job is more of um, internet education for healthy lifestyles. Um, and actually, a lot of that entails selling to other network marketers, which is kind of an interesting place to be. Uh, I kind of see both sides of that coin. Um, but my uh, sort of distributor job basically entails um, using the product, sharing them with people, and then if they're interested, getting them signed up so that they also purchase the products and um, I don't have to deal with selling one bottle at a time to them or stocking up and having some inventory in my own house. They can just order whatever they want to their own homes and I don't have to be involved in any of that. Um, so that's always sort of the end goal there. Multi-level marketing companies, also known as network marketing companies, are built through the use of a non-salaried workforce who essentially resell the product offered by the company and make commissions based on their sales. But there's more than one product in this business model. You're not just selling Tupperware, makeup, essential oils, or diet supplements. You're also selling the job of being a network marketer. In theory and in practice, you make more money when you recruit new people to sell the products underneath you than you do just selling the products yourself. 
And I tell people this when I meet with them in, or do little classes or whatever. And I always go through the oils and the products first because that's my focus. But then I say, hey, look, I just want everyone to know there is a possibility for you to either get a little money back. Maybe you get your products free every month or maybe you make a, a, a nice little paycheck. That possibility is there. But it's all about... Um, like I could sign up every person I see just directly under me and I'd make like a decent amount of money. I'd make 8% of whatever they buy, but I'll never actually make a good quality income that way. The way for me to succeed is to have structures under myself. And if you want to call them trees or downlines or branches, or you want to refer to the pyramid, whatever, I don't care. Uh, but I basically need the people under me to succeed in order to, for myself to succeed because that's how our payment structure and our, what we call our comp plan or compensation plan um, is laid out. So for me, you know, I, I don't want to have a big stock of products and then just try to sell and have just singular customers underneath me. I don't want to be a retail store. Um, I want to just get other people doing well. And that's how I basically uprank it's called and, and get higher percentages and get to reach further down and all this stuff. MLMs are often compared to pyramid schemes because the business model is pyramid shaped. One salesperson, the upline, takes on salespeople underneath them, the downline, and makes commissions off of their downline sales. Network marketers will tell you that their companies are ladder-shaped or horizontal in order to reduce the stigma of the pyramid shape. Pyramid schemes are illegal. But either way, MLMs do involve one salesperson referring another one into the company and earning a percentage of money from the sales made by the person below them. They're definitely pyramid-shaped whether or not you or the FTC agrees that they're a scam. Picture one person taking on two people underneath them, and then those two people taking on two people underneath them, etc. The resulting picture, if you were to draw it out, still looks like a pyramid. They're just not classified as a pyramid scheme, which is a very specific type of illegal business model. You know, so people have their cynical... Um comments like, oh, is this a pyramid scheme? Is this illegal? And, 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 and things like that. And when you, when I reflect back when I was working at this nine to five corporation, like that's far more of a like quote unquote pyramid structure. Cause you have your president at the top and then you have your like marketing directors below them. Then you have your like communication coordinator below them. And the communication coordinator will never have more leadership influence and make more money than the president. That will never happen. But in this model in MLM and direct marketing, anyone like any person at the bottom can grow a huge business and thrive. Um, and nothing holds them back. So there's just so much freedom built into it. You just heard Jen Crudeboss, a yoga instructor and essential oils consultant, share some of the language that network marketers use to help explain how MLMs are not pyramid schemes. Just to offer some counterpoint before we go any further, while corporate structures do have top-down org charts that may resemble a pyramid when drawn, they're not pyramid-shaped in the same way. Each employee does not earn their own revenue stream in a corporate model, and the boss doesn't make a commission off of the revenue earned directly by the people below them. When an employee is hired into a company, they work directly for the company and are paid by the company with a salary, even if they report to a manager above them. So the manager has no incentive to bring more people into the company to make money off of them. They have incentive to bring people into the company to fill in an open role. 
In the network marketing model, however, there's a direct financial incentive for a person to recruit somebody directly underneath them and grow their downline. Even in corporate sales, where individual contributors do earn a commission, the model still does not consider their manager or their manager's manager an upline. Because of the way that MLMs are structured, while network marketers do make a percentage of the retail sales of whatever product their company promotes, from essential oils to leggings to shakes, cleanses, and supplements, the real money is in recruiting a downline. This fact, that you're not really selling products but actually selling the company, is what earns MLM its bad rap. Because in MLM, it's not just always be selling, it's also always be recruiting. As Dana tells us, pretty much everyone's like biggest complaint, right? Is like, oh, this girl I talked to like three times in high school and we're just Facebook friends messaged me out of the blue. Like, I know what's coming next. (laughs) This puts a lot of pressure on network marketers to not only promote the products, but to promote the lifestyle of selling those products, to subsume their company's products, services and marketing language into the fabric of their own lives which is why they are so often visible as objects for scorn online. If you do MLM, everybody knows about it. But this is also what makes MLM such a great case study for the concept of your body, your brand. Because, at least in the case of health and wellness, you are forced to turn the management of your body and your health via these products into your lifestyle as visibly as possible online. So why do women turn to MLM? Why do they feel like they have to invest in this system? Why do they believe that this is the alternative to capitalism that will finally carve out a space in this system for women to succeed? And then when I really started to get the business model that I was like, wait a second, this is the number one way that women who stay at home can become millionaires. And this is a way that, you know, a massage therapist could, you know, like, do really well for themselves, you know, one, one way. And it's not a model where just because I enrolled and I enrolled people below me, like I'll always do better than them. Like they can skyrocket above me, which is just, that doesn't happen in the corporate world. While many of the women we talked to today won't be as successful as Jen, who was on year two of building her business and finally covering her rent when we first recorded this interview, the pervading reason behind going into MLM is the promise of capital and the allure of being able to represent a brand that appears to make you both wealthy and healthy. Well, I am a teacher. I teach in college. I'm a wife and mother um, and just a general information junkie, someone who likes to try new things, someone who likes to uh, experience new experiences. That's Sarah Khan, who for a time sold weight loss supplements through a multi-level marketing company. For me, it was always, you know, taking on extra shifts at work or teaching extra classes like it was always a more traditional way of making extra money. Um, and at the time that this had come up, I was, I was teaching a full day, uh, in my day job. And then I was teaching night classes three, four nights a week as well. So I was very overworked. Um, so when the opportunity came up, you know, that you can make money for just working out for me, it was more, well, Hey, you know, if, if I can make money and work out, that'll actually, the money factor will, um, motivate me to work out more. Right. So for me, I looked at it that way. Like if I'm making money off of this, I'm definitely going to get healthy. I'm definitely going to lose weight. Um, and the initial investment was pretty hefty. Um, I have a very understanding husband who is incredibly supportive and he's never said no. So he was wonderful about it. He said, you know, whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do. Um, 
And there was some guilt, but then there was also this promise of you'll make money as well. So when I first signed uh, my first customer, I was over the moon because I thought this is great. But then you start to feel, okay, well, now I have to walk the walk. You know, I have to start losing weight if I'm, if I'm going to keep making money. And I'm not sure where the line got blurred. MLMs, especially health-based MLMs, often prey on our insecurities about our bodies, just as other health offerings from coaching to fitness training do. As we discussed in episode one, we live in a culture that basically produces and replicates this insecurity. And in episode four, we learned how and why we invest in the production of insecurity. So for a lot of women, the initial reason they purchase an MLM product is to fix a health problem. And then once they've made the investment in an identity, they learn they can sell it to others for a profit. I've always had body image issues, always. Um, I've always been a little bit on the heavier side um, for a number of reasons. You know, I have a, I have a, a thyroid issue um, and that's been sort of prevalent throughout uh, my life um, in terms of... You know, just I was never very athletic. I was never really somebody that, you know, got picked for the sports teams, that kind of thing. And, and a lot of just, you know, cultural stuff to really fed into um, my personal issues with body image and, and how I viewed myself. Um, the MLM came along. There was a mutual friend uh, of, well, a friend of a friend who um, had posted something on Facebook and I had seen it. And, you know, it was along the lines of, would you like to make money and get healthy at the same time? And I thought, oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And, you know, despite the fact that I had been trying for years, you know, to become a runner, to go to the gym, I, I tried pretty much everything, including uh, herbal supplements and all those, you know, fad diets and pretty much anything that's been uh, out there to help you lose weight and get healthy, quote unquote, I've tried it. And so when this came up, I thought, you know what, making money, that's a huge motivator. I'll stick with it all bit. And so I met with this lady. She was wonderful. Uh, we got involved. There was, now thinking back on it, there was a lot of the high pressure sales tactics that I, I hadn't picked up on because it was very new to me. And, you know, I will openly say that I was quite naive in the beginning. And, you know, the, the whole, well, there's only two spots left in my on my team. And, you know, you really need to, to make this decision now. And there was really kind of like, okay, I felt that pressure. Like, I have to make a decision right now. And I decided to do it. And that's really how I got into it because the promise was there. You know, you, it's really easy. There's no, there's no pressure. You do it your own way. You share your story. You don't have to be an expert, but you can totally make money doing this and lose weight at the same time. The reason you don't have to be an expert to make money is that the MLM business model, like health coaching and social media influence in general, is built on the principle of no like, and trust. Tupperware, arguably one of the most well-known MLM companies, figured this one out when an enterprising businesswoman named Brownie Wise began selling Tupperware at her direct sales parties. Tupperware took notice and hired her to help transform the company. To this day, network marketers are encouraged to host parties, classes, and other events to introduce themselves and the product as a package deal, to show their friends, who know, like, and trust them, how these products are used in their everyday lives. Here's Jen again. On my Instagram account, I'll have every sort of 10th post, or sometimes even less. Like, I remember at one point at the height of my enthusiasm, someone was like, are you still doing I'm like, yeah. So that's like, okay, maybe I'm not marketing it well enough because no one knows I'm doing it. So, um, so yeah, so I sprinkle posts here and there. I do events, but I mean, it's really the classic, um, 
recipe, which is like doing classes. And it comes down to like connecting with people. And I just, I genuinely just use the oils in my life. Um, I'm definitely aware to like, I know that if I'm put spritzing myself with peppermint on a hot day out with my friends, they'll be like, Oh my God, what is that? That smells so good. So I, I really prefer the model of like, invite them like lead by example and invite people who are interested to be like what is that oh my god I used oils but they've never smelled like this tell me more um just because I didn't want to be that like even though in my heart I'm a crazy oil lady like I didn't want everyone to think that (laughs) however as we have seen the internet has expanded women's ability to reach one another and sell both the products and the lifestyle In theory, if you've got marketing savvy or a team of people teaching you how to have marketing savvy, you could reach, influence, and recruit an exponentially larger audience than can fit in your living room. By sharing their authentic lives with their friends and family, network marketers are essentially turning their feeds into an endless direct selling party. I have conflicted feelings, honestly, about um, how to post on Facebook. Facebook is a huge deal for us as network marketers. It is very important. There's people making millions and millions of dollars off of Facebook. Um, if I could figure out one day how to do that, maybe I will do. One of the reasons that Dana is able to use Facebook despite her conflicting feelings is because of her approach to the marketing. She is as authentic as she can be in her posts because she's invested her belief in the product and in the network marketing lifestyle so much that they are an authentic part of her life. You should, above all else, love the product and believe in it because people will realize whether or not you do. Um, and so that's a big thing for me is I, I mean, I've had a few people who come up to me and said, I want to do this as a business, which to me is like angels are singing from the heavens and you know, there's like trumpets and everything. And like, that's awesome. It's pretty rare. Um, nowadays, but it is awesome to hear that. And I of course love that, but in general, everyone I talk to, they don't want to sign up because they want to, Uh, have a network marketing business. They sign up because they love, you know, this product or that product, or they want to become healthier. They want to add this to their life or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And so for me, uh, we call it being a product of the product. So, you know, use the stuff, show people that you're using the stuff. Don't be afraid to, you know, open up a bottle of essential oils in front of people and sniff on it if it calms you down or whatever you're using it for. Uh, Don't be shy about it. And, um, you know, people can tell if, if you actually don't really believe in it or you're just trying to get people signed up or maybe you don't even really use them. So if people ask you questions, you're like, oh, I don't really know or that product, you know, people will realize whether or not you're actually this is actually something that's part of your life. And so um, if the product is not something you think you're going to use literally every day, don't sign up for that company. So it may be a great skincare line, but if you have your own skincare that you really like that does well for you or, you know, whatever, like if you're not going to use the product, what's the point in trying to sell it to other people? Everyone uses the internet differently. Some people really do approach their MLM sales as authentic. They don't have a gimmick or a marketing plan. They like Dana as products of the product, just show you how they use the product in their everyday lives. Others, especially those who have a background in marketing, really lean into systematizing their social shares for optimal conversion. Here's Sarah again on how her upline and her team encouraged her to manage her brand. 
We had um, our sort of team leader, our upline was very uh, marketing savvy, uh, somebody who, you know, gave us a lot of very prescriptive things to do. So, you know, how many times a day you should be posting on your social media, the types of things you should be posting, um, the optimal times of day that you should be posting, um, you know, using emojis and making sure there's a picture and making sure that your pictures look a certain way and the kind of words you should be using, how many you know, how many capitals you should be using in your posts. And so it was, it was a very prescriptive way of doing it. And, um, you know, in the beginning it was very helpful and it was like, great. And I I did have to adjust my personal style. And I do remember one conversation, um, that I had had with, um, one of the uplines who I had posted something personal on my Facebook page and I got a message almost instantly saying, you shouldn't post that because that's too controversial. And it wasn't, it was just something about my personal life, something that, you know, had a, a personal opinion. No, 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 no. You've got to have, everything's got to be positive and upbeat and, you know, looking forward. And, and I went, wow. Okay. So I, I have to censor who I am now because I'm building this brand. Okay, I understand that. And it it starts to become harder and harder because you do start censoring everything you say. The number of posts that I had posted and then deleted because I wasn't sure if it fit the brand, if it fit the mold, um, you know, it starts to weigh on you. And, and, you know, eventually it got to the point where you're encouraged to, um, reach out to people, you know, to, to hover on different pages and boards and, you know, jump on people who might, you think might be interested in hearing what you have to say. And, and, uh, you know, really those aggressive sales tactics that me personally, and I'm speaking for myself here, I'm not comfortable with that. While people who take a very systematized marketing approach to their multi-level marketing sales tend to do better than people who don't, for Dana, she approaches it as just a normal part of her social media use. I I definitely post about the products when I am physically use them. So I try not to just set up a, sh- you know, a picture or shot with some products or casually have one in the background or like and then not actually do it. So if I'm actually using an oil, um, you know, on a sore muscle or something, I will then maybe post about it because I'm literally doing it. Why not share about that? And if people are kind of interested or they also have this issue or they want more information, then they are more than welcome to comment or message me. Um, so I get a lot of people messaging me um, versus me messaging them. Dana's approach is low pressure, and it's possible that because the product, Essential Oils, is currently very trendy in the wellness world, it's a lot easier to simply show herself using it and just generate interest in sales just from the visual, as opposed to perhaps a weight loss supplement that might require a little bit more convincing. But at the end of the day, as we've learned in previous episodes, the fact that she or anyone is using her authenticity to model a product to turn her lifestyle into a sales tool means that performative authenticity is still only authentic up to a point. Sarah experienced that shift from authenticity to performance of authenticity while she was selling MLM. At first, I really did like the the product. No, I didn't love it. You know, um, we took the supplement every day. And I remember, you know, there was a new flavor came out and I was, uh, everyone was so excited about it. They were really hyping it up and people ordered it and they tried it and I ordered it and I tried it and I thought, this is actually really disgusting. But you don't feel like you can say that. You know, you have to post about how wonderful it is and how fantastic it is and how it's changed your life. And um, there's there's a lot of pressure to conform, you know, which is is almost counterintuitive because you, you know, they're telling you to be authentic. They're telling you to be yourself because authenticity sells uh, your brand. 
It allows you to connect with people, but at the same time, if your authenticity in any way counters what the message is, you can't be authentic. In the world of online marketing, this is kind of a virtue and not a criticism. The idea, again, is to become a product of the product and to tailor your opinions, at least the way in which you perform them for others, to at least continue elevating the product, even if it's not your favorite thing in the world. As a salesperson, you're not supposed to be skeptical of your own product. My friend Hadas Eviatar, who is a current network marketer for a diet supplement, is very much a proud product of her product. And she addressed my concern about authenticity by affirming the inauthenticity of selling on social media, even as she was denying it. I don't think that my posts are inauthentic because I would never say that I can't live without these products. I think my quality of life would not be as good, but I could certainly live without them. I live without them for most of my life. I'm just doing better with them. But I mean, I would never claim that I can't live without them. I would never claim I don't feel like it's a performance because any Instagram feed, any Facebook feed in that sense is a performance. Okay, I don't take pictures when I go to the bathroom. I go, I take nice pictures because that's what I enjoy seeing on other people's feeds. You know, like I said, I was on holiday for two weeks and I took pictures of the of the of the landscape and of the food and of the people and this and that and I had a wonderful time and I had so many people saying, um, I really Thank you for sharing those pictures. I really enjoyed a vicarious <laughs> vacation, vacation with you. And that was really awesome. And that was all there was to it. But the point is, is that um, sometimes I put out posts which are, which are specifically, this is what I'm doing. And most of the time, it's just, this is my life and I enjoy my life. And here's the thing, is that everybody is always selling themselves, Kayla. And you know that. If you want people to, if you want people to come to your burlesque show, you have to get them to come. And they're not going to come necessarily just because they love burlesque and they would walk into any random burlesque show. They come because they want to see you. And that is true in anything. If you, like I go to one dentist and not another because I like this particular dentist and he didn't uh, have to put anything out on Facebook to <laughs> make me want to go to him. He just happens to be, I went to him on a recommendation and I liked him and I stayed. Hadass and I met when we were both influencers in the online paleo community. We both appeared on an episode of Low Carb Conversations with Jimmy Moore and Friends. Hadass now sells an MLM diet product, with which I have had a poor personal experience, and she and I have had contentious conversations about it in the past. I'll admit that our conversation for this podcast was frustrating. I love Hadass, and she has been one of my biggest cheerleaders over the past few years, even though we've never met in person. But I also didn't want to have this conversation without challenging her when I felt that she was dodging a question or falling back to MLM scripts. However, I do want to also acknowledge that she did make a great point about the ways in which authenticity has been eroded on social media. And if other people are exploiting it for profit, why shouldn't she? So here's my issue to that. Just I, I want to push back a little bit because you're absolutely right. A hundred percent. Like I have such an issue with the fact that we all have to sell ourselves in order to 
make our lives work, but unfortunately we do. Um, and social media is the best way to do that these days. So I completely, completely agree with you. But the difference is, so I sell a burlesque show. I'm selling entertainment that isn't prescriptive in terms of how to live your life. A dentist, yes, may have some prescription for you, but they're providing a necessary service that's going to keep your teeth working. The w- The problem that I have with a lot of these network marketing companies is they're selling they're selling health in a way that is not necessarily healthy and also can encourage disordered eating. And that is my problem with it. It's not it's not that you're selling a product or that you're selling anything. It's that you're selling a product that is targeted for weight loss or muscle gain or any kind of transformation. And that mindset plays into diet culture, whether or not you personally believe in it. Because the thing is, that product and that company absolutely does. And that is a problem. Like, it's a huge problem. And the fact that you can perform weight loss or, you know, health transformation based on, like, restrictive eating is concerning to me. And that's why I rant and rail against MLM, because it it, it encourages their, their people who sell it to believe so strongly in it that they can't hear in any argument against it because it's an argument against your ability to make money. You know, and, and that is my concern. That's why I rant and rail. Not that you're selling something, but that, you know, I mean, for God's sake, the, the company that you work for was the start of a huge eating disorder relapse for me. And it was, uh, you know, it was supposed to just be a healthy kickstart for getting my, you know, energy and life back together, you know? Yeah, it's unfortunate you didn't have good coaching on that because I think that what they did to you was nothing less than child abuse. And I'm really sorry that this product was part of that particular situation, but it wasn't the product. It was what they did with it. Well, but the way that the product is sold is you're supposed to do a two-day cleanse where you don't eat anything. Uh, No. Yeah, the the cleanse, there's two cleanse days and then there was two weeks of like smoothies. Yeah, but the cleanse, first of all, it's not two weeks of smoothies. And secondly, the cleanse days are not days that you don't eat anything. On cleanse days, Yes, I was allowed six almonds or half an apple. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, they did not do it properly. And it's really unfortunate because I have to tell you that them allowing you this or that was already the wrong thing. How old were you again? I was 20, no, 19, 20, something like that. Okay, so you're old enough to... To do the research on the website and understand what the was prescribed in a way with these products, like what the directions on the products was, was... Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate that that happened because if I were coaching somebody, that would certainly not be the way it would go. But... Um, yeah, and I, I do try uh, I, to work with people who are looking. My my aim is to work with people who are interested in health, not in, oh, I have to be skinny. Those people scare me <laughs> in terms of working with them because, yeah, because having interacted with you all these, all these years, uh, Kyla, that definitely has had effect on the way I do this, and I thank you for that. Um, I don't do before and after pictures because that's not what I'm after. I'm my client, my ideal customer is a person who wants more energy, wants to feel better, not somebody who wants to be skinny. Somebody who wants to be skinny and needs to talk to somebody else, not me. <laughs> right. But I mean, the very first thing I'm looking at the website, the very first block of their um, 
you know, things that they're they're well, so first of all, there's a giant header picture and there's a transformation photo. The second panel is weight loss solutions. And then, you know, you get energy and performance way below the fold, but like that's the first thing that's what they lead with is weight that's loss. what most people want. Right. But it can you agree but here's, that that's here's a problem? A, um here's the thing. Um, I, I heard a, a podcast a while back with somebody. She was uh, <laughs> she was doing this uh, coaching about um, for for single women. It was about how to find your ideal man, and she didn't really want to do that. She 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 had this this uh, this uh, community and so on, and she was running workshops, and she was and. She re- didn't really want to do the how to find your ideal man thing, how to attract your ideal man. She was like, that's kind of gross. But then she realized that people were coming in uh, ostensibly to look for their ideal man. And what she was doing is that she was working with them on mindset and on self-esteem and on to all the life coaching stuff that we work with to get people to stop hating themselves <laughs> and to stop talking shit to themselves all the time. And the thing is, is that people are not going to come in and listen to the good stuff until they've walked in your door and they'll walk in your door with what they think they want. And you know that that's not what they need. But the point is that if you set, go to them and you say, you need to work on your mindset and stop hating yourself and then, you know, your life will be so much better, they're not going to listen. So people might come in because of the weight loss and because of the beautiful pictures, which, by the way, are all true. I've seen those people. Um, they might come in because of that, and then they'll get to listen to somebody like my friend Aaron talking about emotional eating and talking about uh, uh, mindset and talking about uh, self-esteem and about controlling your thoughts and all of that stuff. Right, but you don't need a but product the- for that. You don't need a product for that, but it's certainly helps. In fact, a product helps. isn't going to help you with that, though. That's the thing. Yes, it will, because if people are because what also happens is that people are malnourished, and their brains don't work so great. And one of the one of the ways in which and forget the cleanse days. Oh, I'm talking about if people even just take a shake a day. What I found for myself is that I was incredibly malnourished. Now, I actually was malnourished because of my digestive issues, but even people who don't have digestive issues, although a lot of people do, um, they do find that their thinking is clearer because they are actually better nourished because they've been eating standard American crap diet. So just improving their nourishment, and even if they don't buy the whole damn thing, I don't care. Buy one canister of shake and take one shake a day, and you'll find that you feel better, and you can think better. And then you can, then maybe you can listen and think about things like what kind of self-talk am I having and what kind of, how am I putting myself down, and how can I be nicer to myself <laughs> and not have such ridiculous expectations of myself and not punish myself and not use food as a reward and not use food to fill that void in my life. All of these things you can't do if you can't think. I know that for Hadass, 
who is in it, who is invested. It's very easy for her to see this product as being the game changer that she has been looking for. I don't want to discount her experience, especially because I know how much she's struggled with her digestive health. And if this product appears to be working for her and the people that she's coached, that's great. However, standing outside of the network marketing paradigm looking in and understanding how we've developed these scripts around the importance of selling ourselves and our health, I can't help but wonder if Hadass and women like her need these products to work in order to justify the economic and reputational risk they're taking to become distributors in these companies. Looking back on it now, there wasn't anything really revolutionary about it. You know, there was a very strong em- emphasis on um, being conscious of what you eat um, and working out every day. And there were a variety of different exercise options that you could participate in. And so you could really kind of find the, wor- the workout that you really enjoyed. And there was really no pressure in the beginning to um, adhere to a certain type of workout or lifestyle. You know, there's, there was a whole bunch of choices. Um they were very, very big on a particular supplement, and that's, uh, I think, part and parcel of most MLM organizations that are, you know, health-based. There's a, a supplement that's where you make the, the bulk of your money, because that's where the recurrent monthly fees will come in. Um, because someone buys an exercise program, that's a one-off. You know, you have to you have to suck them into buying the supplement. That you know, yeah, you could probably get results without it, but this will increase your results. It'll make them quicker. And there are so many added benefits to it. So that's how you sell it, right? Like, oh, you don't have a great diet. Let's be completely honest. You're a busy mom. You're a busy employee. You're a busy whatever. This is going to help cover all your bases. And that's really kind of where it started. So so pushing that supplement was absolutely paramount. That was the, the first fundamental thing that we had to do. I mean, so from your own personal perspective, um, did you believe in the things that you were selling? You know what? Early on, absolutely, I did. Um, you have to buy into the supplement as well um, in order for you to stay active as a member of this organization. So you're spending money every month. And as a result of that, you're, you feel the pressure of, OK, I've, I've got to get other people to buy into it. Otherwise, I don't make any money. Um, and, you know, I did at first. You, you buy into the hype because you're 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 involved. You, you suddenly get sucked into this community that is and I hesitate to say it because I know people don't like it, but it's almost cult like. You know, there's, there's a cultish mentality to it that, you know, we are the answer. We are the ones who are going to fix everything. Look how amazing we are. And there's, there's constant bombardment of personal success stories and all of these people who are doing amazing things and people who've left their jobs and who've, you know, now making six figures doing this. And it's constantly thrown at you. So you do get sucked into that hype and you, you get sucked into that whole uh, lifestyle and just the, you know, and what I had found over, you know, in the first maybe year was that the vast majority of people on my Facebook and on other social media were all other coaches, all people from, you know, other teams, our team. And so you, you get sucked into this community of people and you stop really interacting with people outside of it, you know, and, and, and so I think you kind of get stuck in this in this little bubble of, um, well, if these are the only people, and I had noticed that, you know, I'd post something uh, prescriptive or inspirational, whatever you want to call it, and the vast majority of people responding were other coaches. Uh, the vast majority of people who were responding were people who were already in the cult. And so it's kind of this... Um, 
this revolving door of um, accolades and affirmation. And so you, you really do get caught up in it. You really do. And it's hard to see the forest for the trees after a while. Even Dana is trying to keep some perspective on personal branding, despite the imperative to be a product of the product. Totally. And like I said, I, I can see it all, too, uh, from the inside, from the outside in my company and other companies. Um, it, it's very true that it it's you start to wonder, like, OK, well, I wanted to be your Facebook friend because I, you know, I'm your friend and I want to keep up with what's going on in your life. But all you ever post is about this one company and what you're doing like what else is going on in your life, you know? And, um, I don't want to be your friend if you're just, uh, uh, your Facebook page is just a big old advertisement or whatever. So, um, you know, if I wanted to follow a brand pages, I would <laughs> kind of a thing. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a really good point. I think everyone is going to be different about how they do it. And I don't know which way is like the right way as far as either morality or, money making is concerned. Like I said, I'm no, I'm definitely not an expert on any of this. I'm not like a trillionaire <laughs> yet, yet I'll say. Um, and you know, I, I, just because I do it one way doesn't mean any other way is wrong or anything like that. I very intentionally, um, try to intermingle my products and my use of those products throughout my life and like my social media version of my life. Um, I try to mix it in with my dog, pole dancing, um, you know, traveling, whatever, family time, whatever it is, because it is important to me that again, it's the whole being a product of the product thing, right? I'm not just trying to sell these products because I want to make, you know, a dollar off of every time you buy something. I use these products every day. That's how they are in my life. And so, then if people ask me about them, of course, I'm willing to talk. But for me, it's not just like, here's what I sell. Let me try to sell it at every living waking moment I have. Um, It's more like, here's what I use. Oh, I also sell it if you're interested. In weight loss or health-focused MLMs, however, being a product of the product can create big problems for you if the product doesn't actually work the way you claim it does. Because weight isn't just a matter of supplementing harder or calories in, calories out, losing weight with a weight loss supplement isn't as easy as putting it on auto-ship. Sarah experienced that firsthand. I have a number of um, underlying health issues which do make uh, weight loss and, and whatnot a lot more difficult than it should be. That's not to say I I can never lose weight. It just takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder. Um, There's a lot of factors that kind of fight against it for me. And that's something that I have been coming to terms with personally over the last few years. Um, But, you know, if, if, if I wasn't seeing uh, results as quickly as everybody else, you know, I was obviously doing it wrong. There was something wrong with the way I was doing. I didn't want, this was my favorite line. You don't want it bad enough. You know, and and that was the thing that really started to make me question what the hell I was doing. You know, and that's not to say that everybody's like that. I I made some wonderful friendships through the company. um, And some of those people are still involved with the organization. And they're doing really well. Like, they're doing well for themselves. They're authentic. They're able to to sell their their product and their brand uh, in a way that's comfortable for them. But... I can see that they still struggle with the mainstream expectations of the organization, you know, and, and a lot of it does come down to, well, if I'm not seeing 
results as quickly as they say I should be seeing them. What am I doing wrong? If I'm not making a certain amount of money every month, what am I doing wrong? And so no matter what you do, it always comes back to this is your fault. Yeah. You know, it's that shaming that starts to happen and it's not overt, but it's certainly pervasive. For sure. Well, and and especially in MLM, it can be, um, I mean, it's hugely important that you see results because, you know, Mm -hmm. if you were, if you were working for, let's say a corporation, right, you come in, do your nine to five, you're on a salary, you're going to get paid. Yeah. Right. Even if Mm -hmm. you screw up a little bit, you know, there obviously if you if you don't screw up enough to get fired. Right. But you 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 miss a deadline or, you know, your team doesn't hit a goal. Maybe you won't get your bonus, but you're still going to get paid that day with network marketing. You've bought a product. you got to get it off your hands. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You you are responsible for your own success in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. If you're not seeing results, you're literally, you have product like rotting in your closet, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I know that I've had family members who've done MLM and literally you would open up the pantry and there would just be boxes and boxes of nutrition bars that they couldn't sell, that they paid for. So you're, you're at personal risk when you don't sell. Now on the podcast, we'll talk to other people who are working for MLMs that follow a slightly different model, but you still pay into the system. You still do have to order yeah. product to be considered active. So yes, you do. You have to believe in the product because you have to use the product so you can show other people how to use the product so you can get it out of your house. And needing to get that product out of your house can lead to some seriously disordered behaviors. You know, when you don't start to see uh, results as quickly as other people or as, as promised, um, you start to panic a little bit and you start to invest more money in different products and, you know, more, um, more, I don't want to say insane, but I guess more uh, insane products, you know, things that are a little bit maybe not as healthy. Um, they had a one product that was like basically a three-day fast that was supposed to help kickstart your, um, your, your weight loss. And when it came out, it was, you know, all the rage and everybody wanted to try it. And so I tried it and it's essentially like two or 300 calories a day, um, through various supplements. And it was just, I couldn't get through it. I got through two days and I said, I'm going to kill myself if I keep this up. So I, you know, I had a donut. Um, so the, the, the money thing almost becomes, um, an inhibitor. It almost becomes like, well, you start to focus on that. And then the stress from that says, well, I'm not losing weight fast enough. And it becomes this cyclical thing. And sort of as an aside, um, in having talked to a number of people within our team structure, I had actually found that quite a few people who were um, showcased within the team as, you know, people who had these massive transformations and they, they were touted as, as those transformations being a result of them being on the program. In fact, they were not solely responsible. The program was not solely responsible for those transformations. A lot of those people who had these massive transformations had been on, um, you know, proper diets for years, or they had been working out for, you know, a year or two before they joined the company, or they had been doing something, you know, something else. And they got to a point where they had lost loads and loads of weight. And so they joined the company and then touted the company as being responsible for this massive weight loss. But you don't see that as a customer. You don't see that even as an average employee of the company. And so when you see someone who's lost 100 pounds in you know eight months, you think to yourself, oh, my God, since, wow, really? And I can't lose 10 in a month. I'm, I'm horrible at this. 
And it, it impacts your self-esteem. It impacts your ability to make money because you stop believing in yourself. And I think that's a really big factor, you know, and you can't, you can't sell what you don't believe in. And if you don't believe in yourself, how do you sell yourself? Because that's essentially what you're doing with MLM. Becoming a product of the product, in other words, merging your company's brand with your own, can be disempowering in this context. How can you sell an MLM product if you're the product and you don't believe in yourself? So let's go back to Brenda, who turned to MLM after leaving health coaching. The, the products that I have now that I do sell to make a little extra money, I do I do use and I do like and I do enjoy to an extent. Um, and I say to an extent because every single company out there, and I don't think it's limited to MLM companies. Um, I think that we just see that more often because a lot of us spend so much on our social media. I think a lot of other products are doing the same thing. But anytime, like there are a lot of them that start veering into the, we have this, it's going to cure your insomnia insomnia or we have the like you know like they their products get produced to fix these problems that are so much greater than just take a pill take a shot rub some oil on it you know put some healthy sunscreen on it whatever like there's so much more there that that person needs help with and it's a combination of what you want to call Western medicine with holistic medicine, with tradition, whatever that, however you want to label it all. Like there's, there is a balance and guess what the fuck? It's okay to have a balance and use these different things, you know? Um, so that's where I have sometimes a little bit of problem with even the, the companies that I'm involved with that are making me a little bit of extra money because it's not that much more, but if it's enough for a car payment, like, you know, I'll continue to put the effort into it. And again, you know, there is the part that I believe in and the part that I don't. And I'm going to stick with the part that I believe in and speak to that part because I can. The rest of it, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know. And I'm okay with telling you that I don't know because I'm okay with you trying to find a different answer from someone else and comparing the information and how it, how it applies to you. But it's, but it's hard. But it's hard because then there's the people, your quote unquote teammates in this MLM world, you know, your teammates, the people are in your group or whatever. I don't even know whatever they call it, you know, and they're doing so much better and they're meeting all their quotas and they're doing, you know, they're making, you're making $300 extra a month, but they're making $1,500 extra a month. And you're sitting here going, what the hell am I doing wrong, man? Like, like, you know, and then you go down that path of like, well, I look healthier than her or him and I do this and that and I have a, I have to balance a, a real job because then I start calling my job a real job instead of recognizing that every job is a fucking real job, you know. Um, and it's like, oh, she does is stay at home and play on the internet all day so she's able to push her sales on people and like, wait a minute, what? Unhealthy behavior again because now it's competitive and competitive is good, but no, not, it's not good when it's, you're wishing ill on others or saying bad things about it. Oh my God, what is happening? And it's like this vortex of healthy, unhealthy, healthy, unhealthy, healthy, unhealthy with no real push or no real advocate for balance. I want to go back to a conversation that I had with Daniel Pink, the author of To Sell as Human, to try to understand why there are people out there who willingly buy into this lifestyle when it can, in some context and for some people, become an emotional and economic drain on the seller. If, if, you're, if you're constantly finding problems that are, end up being bogus problems, um, again, it's the same thing. It's not going to work for very long. So, you know, like you want to have clients and customers beyond a, a single transaction, you know, 
because that's a better business. It's a better business if you have people who, if you're a seller and you have people who are loyal to you, right? It's a harder business to try to win over people over and over and over, new people over and over and over and over and over and over again, all right? You wanna be the restaurant where people, that doesn't have to do a huge amount of marketing because you're so good, people wanna to come to you. And, you know, and so, and so if you are surfacing bogus problems all the time, it's, you're not gonna get the kind of loyalty that you need. Uh, but 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 just to be fair, just to be fair, I mean, because I, I think you're right. I mean, there, you know, you can fool some of the people some of the time. There's no question about that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it worries me because there are people who are also very willing to be fooled. I think not in a in a, um, you know, a commentary on their intelligence or even their decision making. I think there are people who just want so badly to find answers for problems um, that when they find something that feels like it might be the right answer, they're willing to be told by somebody who says they found that problem for them. Like, for example, you know, like you, you look at um, a lot of the, the multi-level marketing diet products. These people build uh, huge followings and uh, repeat customers who keep coming back and keep coming back for a diet product that just doesn't work, right? Because they want so desperately for it to work because the the way that those products are marketed, it's like the problem for you is that you don't feel worthy or you don't feel um, valued. I think that to me is the the number one thing. Like people don't feel valued. Um, they want to make more money, right? But how do you make more money? Well, you have to do something that's valuable. What's valuable? Be thin. So, <laughs> you know, so they come... They go back and go back and go back. And I mean, I've, that was me a couple of years ago. You know, I, in, I guess 10 years ago, I did my first like <laughs> cleanse and it triggered my eating disorder. So thankfully I stopped doing that. But, you know, it was one of those things where it was like I was willing to have that problem found for me. My problem was maybe I could make a ton of money and also be thin and also have people love me and buy from me and, you know, create my own business too. Right. Um, so it just worries me that there are, there are people who will continue to and I, I don't know if that's a problem we can ever really fix because, you know, you and I can't go around talking to every single person who sets up a Squarespace, right? <laughs> no, but you're you make a good you make a good point that, that there is that, that in some cases you make a good point that in some cases I think that there is a um among in some cases among some people, there is sometimes a a kind of a a willing gullibility. Uh, I think you're. I, I think you're. I think you're right about that. You know, I see it in the. I, you know, I see it in the in the book business where someone, um, you know, where someone comes out with his or her. I'm thinking of one person in particular. It's a he. You know, has comes out with like his ninth diet book in 12 years, and I'm thinking like, okay, what was wrong with the first eight? Like. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're you know it's like, it's like why like this is obviously some kind of scam here. Why are why are people falling for it? But I guess they're falling for it for the the same you know they want to you know they're maybe not they're they're maybe they're not buying a diet book. They're buying the feeling of hope in that moment. But what is that hope really about? What does the weight loss or the muscle gain or the energy or the relaxation or any of the claims that these products make signify? What hope are multi-level marketers trying to buy and why? I believe it's about so much more than the body, and we're going to get to the bottom of it in our next episode. But before we go, here's a little teaser from Sarah. You become a clone of the industry. 
Yeah, you become a clone of the industry. Well, there's that pressure. You know, you you have to you have to recruit these people. You have to make money. You have to sign this person before someone else does. And yeah, it it's it ceases to become about you and your story and more about business. And you know what? Let's face it. That's exactly what it is. It's a business. There's nothing personal about it. The Your Body, Your Brand podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by me, Kyla Tova. Dramaturgical feedback was provided by Kendall Lynch. Music for the intro was written and produced by Mackenzie Quattlebaum. Concept photography for the website, social media, and podcast cover art was taken by Reza Scott of RF Scott Imagery. To support this independent, ad-free podcast and help us develop a season two, please consider becoming a patron. Patrons who pledge at least $3 a month will get exclusive audio, including cut audio and longer, previously unreleased interviews. This week's interview is with Victoria Fariz. Just visit patreon.com slash bodybrandpod to become a patron today. For show notes and links to the guests who appeared on today's episode, please visit bodybrandpod.com slash pyramid. And as always, I want to hear from you. If you're thinking about becoming a health coach, yoga teacher, personal trainer, or wellness entrepreneur of any kind, or if you already are one, I'd love to hear your story. So please feel free to send me a text email or record a voice memo and send it to yourbodyyourbrand at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I can't tell you how much it means to me to see those of you who are helping to share the podcast through word of mouth, positive reviews, and other means. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening, and I'm so excited for you to hear the conclusion of this two-part episode next week. We'll see you then.